nor ear heard, nor have entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So ask yourself this morning, do you love him? It's good to be here with you today. Let's bow our heads and welcome the presence of the Lord among us. Heavenly Father, we are truly grateful to be in your house today. We know that as your children, there's no good thing that you will withhold from us. And today, you have something special in store. So open our hearts and our ears so that we will receive from you today all that you have for us. For each person that made their way here today, special blessing. For those who are on their way, safety. For those who could not make it, Lord, just meet them where they are. So next time, they can come and give their testimony. For each person serving today, we ask that you give them a special anointing. And for the man of God, a double portion. May everyone in the sound of my voice be blessed that they took the time to serve you and to worship. So we thank you for your presence, Lord, and we know that by the end of the day, we will not be the same. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So put your hands together and welcome the worship team. Hallelujah. Good morning, church. Hallelujah. Good morning, church. God is good. And all the time. Hallelujah. Who's ready to worship? Who's ready to give God your best praise this morning? The song says, Lord, I will give you all my worship. For you alone, we long to worship. Do you long to worship him this morning? Hallelujah. He is worthy of our praise.
singing praises to God. For he reigns, amen? The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice and let the people be glad. Hallelujah. Let the earth rejoice, let the earth rejoice, let the people be glad that all God reigns. Hallelujah, the Lord reigns. The Lord.
we can be glad to be in his presence amen because no matter what's going on in this world God still reigns our God reigns amen hallelujah he is worthy to be praised Lord we need your glory amen although last week was solemn assembly and it was a mighty time in the presence of the Lord that's not enough to carry us through the rest of this year we continuously need his presence amen amen so we're going to ask him, Lord, let your glory rise among us. Amen. Can we say that together? Say, Lord, let your glory rise among us. Let's say that one more time. Say, Lord, let your glory rise among us. Hallelujah.
morning? Or do we believe what we're singing? That hallelujah, our God, our God, the creator of heaven and earth, reigns. He reigns. That means he's in control of everything. That's our God. Hallelujah. And he can be whatever you need him to be for you this morning. Amen. If you need him to be your healer, whether that be physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, he is that healer. He is our source. Amen. He is our all in all. So this morning, I encourage you, we encourage you to reach out to him. Because his arms are stretched open wide, just waiting for us to say, God, I need you. And I believe you are who you say you are. So let us believe this morning that he holds our every moment in the palm of his hand.
for you. Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible for you. You hold my world in your hands. Nothing is God reigns. And you just heard nothing is impossible for him. Mm. Thank you, Lord. This is the, this time of the service and you have an opportunity to speak with the Almighty. The one we say we believe has our entire world in his hands, which means the smallest thing that you can think of to those life-changing decisions that you have to make. He is concerned about all of that. So don't think, well, I don't have a big thing today. He wants to hear the small things too. Take this opportunity to share with him and allow him to make the difference and to change that fundamental thing that can make your life so much richer. We are truly blessed to be here today and to have this opportunity to worship and fellowship and praise our God without reservation. So if you're holding back just a little bit, let loose. He deserves all of you today. So leave the work stuff behind. You didn't leave the stove on. The kids 
will have to make their own way as well. This is your time. Heavenly Father, we, your children who are called by your name, come humbly before you today, recognizing that we are nothing of ourselves, and that without you and your purpose, well, I dread to think. We ask, O oh Lord, uh, for your forgiveness, because we know against your standard all of us have fallen short. We ask for your grace and your mercy. We ask, O oh Lord, that you look deep within each and every one of us. And if there's anything that is unpleasing to you, if there's anything that is blocking us from being closer to you, we ask, O oh Lord, that you, that you allow us to freely and wholeheartedly Praise and worship you today, Lord. That we may be complete and empty vessels ready to be filled by you. For those of us, O oh Lord, who are still feeling a little ill or sick of body, we've already acknowledged today that you are our healer. And we will believe in you for that healing. For those of us who are taken by stress and worry and fear, we remember that you are in control and that you have our very best, best at heart. And that the plans that you have for each of us is for good. Increase our faith, O oh God. Increase our faith so that we can truly feel the joy that you want us to have. For our nation and our world, we know that despite the turmoil, for those who claim leadership over us, we know that ultimately your will will be done. For the congregation, O oh Lord, you know each and every need. You know where they are. We ask, O oh Heavenly Father, that you touch each and every one of them in an individual way. May they receive a specific thing from you today. For everyone who is listening to us or watching us over the World Wide Web, may they truly feel your presence today and see that there is no separation by distance. May the word we receive today, Lord, fill us. Fill us and give us enough to continue through the week. Will we not miss an opportunity, O oh God, to show someone the love that you have shown us 
and continue to show us. Because if we are your people, love should be the first thing that people identify us with. May we never miss an opportunity to say a kind word, to encourage a brother, or to simply lend an ear. All of it glorifies you. So we thank you for this day, Lord, that you've given us. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Big hand for the worship team, please. That was sort of a medium hand. Uh, big hand for the worship team, please. It's always truly a blessing to be in God's house with God's people. And I always relish an opportunity to serve. So I thank you, Pastor, for this opportunity. This time in the service, we'd like to recognize those of you who might be with us for the very first time. If this is your first time at Living Word Open Bible, we'd like to recognize you. We're not going to ask you to speak or anything. We just want to say hi and give you a big welcome. So if this is your very first time here, would you mind standing so we can acknowledge you? First time? I see somebody thinking about it. First time? All right. Okay. If you are a second time or a third time and you had such a wonderful time out and you wanted to come back and share with us, just slip your hands up. We have something for you as well. There we go. Welcome. All right. The ushers are going to give you a, a card that uh, you can fill out and get a little more information about uh, ministries and about the church itself and help you to get connected. So welcome back. All right. Big hand. For those of you who have been coming faithfully and for our members, welcome. This time I have a few announcements and a few people that are coming to speak to it. Let's start off with Sister Frances. Good morning. Good morning. Come on, it's a wonderful day. We're alive. Wave your hand if you're alive. Amen. We take it for granted. A lot of people aren't here. Amen. Where's Sister Muya? Is she here this morning? Sister Muya lost her mother this morning. See what I'm talking about? So we want to pray for her. Amen. And so I'm saying when we lift our hands and worship, we're giving God thanks that we have life and we're healthy and we can be here. Amen. So please remember her and others who are still grieving. The reason I'm here today, I am here to excite you and invite you to be a living participant in our 25th anniversary signature once-in-a-lifetime magazine. Hello, say magazine. Okay, now some of you weren't here when we started and you have never been in the magazine, but now is your once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be in the 25th. So, we invite every single family to take a stand. If you've been in there every year before, then don't miss out this year. Take out a greeting. It's your church. Say, it's my church. Say, this is where I'm fed. 
What, the rest of you aren't fed? Don't let me waste God's time up here. This is where I'm fed. Whether I stay home or watch it live. Shame on you for staying home when you're not sick. Anyway, I have quite a few of these at the welcome table. We're really doing a signature magazine you want to be counted. Take out a greeting, advertise your business or both, or go solicit a greeting from the places you do business. Let them put an ad in. You want to be counted. This is historic. And all of you who were born in this church, married in this church, had your family buried in this church, got prayed for in this church, need I go on? You should be first. So I want to see all these papers go today, not in your pocketbook or in your car, but I need them back before the end of February. Amen? All right, I'm praying the blessing. So let's have the biggest magazine ever with a wonderful greeting celebrating our 25th anniversary. God bless you. Amen. And I'm looking volunteers to bring pictures in too. Amen. Remember that. Oh, yes, ma'am. <laughs> Thank you, Sister Francis. All right, this time we're going to ask uh, Deacon Daniel. He has a special announcement as well. Nice time. Thank you very much, Brother Forbes. Good morning, church. This announcement has to do with the academic club and a few modifications that we have made last year, which couldn't be told to you, uh, we couldn't say to you last month because, you know, we were having our, our um, solemn assembly. But we do have a few changes. Those of you who are new to the church would understand that every year you have to turn in your report cards if you're a child, um, from K to 12, we take your report cards from you, and we do give you um, trophies, and some of you who are, have done really well have gone out for dinner with the pastors and so forth. So this year, we have, in the past couple of years, we have been a little bit lapsed in terms of saying, we take all your report cards one time. We're not going to do that this year. So then, report cards must be submitted to the church office no later than one month after the marking period. Now, I know the marking period ended in December. January is gone. So starting next month, right next Sunday, we will be outside with a table and a box. We will allow you to drop your report cards in there because no academic club member is permitted to take your report cards home anymore. So you can't give them to me and I put them in this jacket pocket and then I can't find them anymore. All right? So you will bring them, you'll drop them in the box, I'll give them to us outside or to the church office. And we also have to be aware of HIPAA rules and all of that. So your privacy. So therefore, everybody after the marking period must submit those uh, report cards at the end. You have one month to do so. After that, you're closed out. All right? Um, Students must attend church regularly. That is more than 50% of the time to be a part of the academic club. So if you, are, you can't just come in from somewhere and then you do really well in school and all of a sudden you've been here for two, three Sundays and you're a part of the academic club and you get the award. We don't do that, okay? So um, all community service also, all community service activities must and will be taken into consideration, but a substantial part of that community service activity has to be church-related here. If we are giving you the award, where we want to see you do something here. So you can't, do, um, you can't just do a lot of community service outside and nobody will see you here. 
I mean, if you are that great and you are so well gifted in service outside, well, hello, contribute here too, all right? And so we are saying um, you must do that. Those are just a few changes, as I said, to be um, starting next Sunday. We will be outside with the box and everything, and there will be a, no a member of the academic club who will be there also. So these changes, of course, come after observations that we have done over a period of time and see. And we want everybody to be on the same page, and we want to make sure you understand that if your child didn't get the award, he or she didn't turn the report card in on time. Amen? I'm still your friend, okay? Bye. Good morning. Thank you, Deacon. Yes, yeah, service does begin here at home, right? So that makes sense. Uh, I'd also like to ask uh, Sister Valda to come to speak regarding the teacher training. I guess I got two coming. Hi, Sister Lewis. morning, church. <laughs> She's asking me if I'm ready to teach Sunday school class. Who, me? I don't like to teach Sunday school class. I'm too shy for that. I'm not ready for that. Well, that's how I felt when I started. And then I found out it's not that bad. It's easy. They teach me, I teach them. It's, it's easy. So, in saying that, you can teach them too. They want to see you. They, they want to see you. They want to hear you. They want to learn from you. So when you're going outside, there's a, always a form at the welcome desk. Put your name on it. Bible class, Sunday school. Come on out. We, we need your support. Okay, so in saying that, on the program, so you can't see it and see it, all the Bible class teachers are encouraged to come out to the training session on February 3rd, from 9 to 12. Please come out. We prepare a lovely session for you, food and everything. Everybody likes free food. Come on out and have a good time, okay? So we are looking out to see all of you. No excuses. Please come to the Bible training session. That's February 3rd, 9 to 12. And be early, else I'm going to eat all the donuts, okay? Hello, looking forward to see you there. And guess what? If you have not even signed up yet, we look forward to seeing you. Come on board. We need you, okay? God bless. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for that. Uh, so if you haven't signed up yet, there's still opportunities here for you to do that. And to make it to the teacher training on the third. So thank you very much, ladies, for that presentation. At this time, we're going to continue in our worship. And since it is fourth Sunday, we're really going to celebrate because we're going to be giving our offering Nigerian style. So it is truly a celebration because we know the Lord does love a cheerful giver. So this time, I'd like to ask Sister Grace to say the blessing. Let us pray.
Let us pray. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor for bringing us here today, Lord. This is a day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad. Father, your word tells us that you have given us the ability to gain wealth. And all that we have belong to you, Lord God. And so, Father, as we bless you and as we worship you with a small portion, Lord God, I pray that you'll bless it, Lord. You bless the givers. You use it for the furtherance of your kingdom here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. And with that, what can I say? What can I say unto the Lord? All that I have to say is thank you, Lord. What can I say unto the Lord? All I have to say is thank you. Not the walking. Let's thank get the dancing going now. this week. I didn't think I was going to be here today. Yeah. I was in the hospital. Uh, they were checking just about everything that I have on my body. <laughs> and I know I can share that with you because you're family. But when you say, thank you, Lord, if you're just mumbling it, if you're just saying it because everybody else is saying it, then you don't know the Lord I know. Because when I'm telling you, thank you, Lord, because I got up out of that bed, and I am here today, able to serve him and to worship him. So don't take it for granted, people. I'm going to tell you, 
we shouldn't have to pump you up about it because this Lord, I'm, hey, every promise that he has made to you, he can actually keep it. And he's promised you everything. He said there's no good thing. So when you say thank you, Lord, from here all the way out, truly. At this time, I'd like to welcome the man of God with a word that I know will truly not only instruct, but inspire. So please put your hands together and welcome our senior pastor, Pastor Carl Francis. Hallelujah. God is good and all the time. Amen. I don't think they have me live up there yet. Can you hear me? You can hear me personally, but I don't think I'm hearing through the mic. Now they're turning me on. Okay. Praise God. Turn to the person right and left your child and be in the right place at the right time. Will you do that? We're missing some people who are not in the right place. But we pray for them this morning. Amen. We remember some of the brethren also who are down with the flu. There are several of them. So remember them as well. You know, a group of men at a gym, and you know, when men are at the gym, if you don't, you don't know much about that, some of you, because you don't go to the gym necessarily. But there was a group of men at the, at the gym, and um, they were gathered talking. Because a lot of times when men are at the gym, they, stop, they have to take breaks between what they're doing, and they sit around and chat a little bit. And there were three of them gathered together, and uh, a cell phone rang. And so one of them picked up the cell phone and said, yes. And, uh, and the person said on the line, Hon, is that you? I can hardly hear you. The person says, hello. And, he, and the person says, on the other, are you at the gym? And he says, yes. And she says, I'm in front of the fur shop. And they have a beautiful mink coat. Can I buy it? How much is it? Only $5,000. Okay, you, you can buy it. But you got to buy a matching purse that goes with it too, my love. Well, it turns out. Well, it turns out that I also stopped by the car dealership today and saw they have a brand new BMW on sale. It's the last one. How much is it? How much is it? Only $60,000. Well, fine, buy it. But you also have to get with it all the accessories. And if it costs a little more, I won't get mad. It's a generous husband. The woman, realizing that her requests are being approved, decided to take a risk. Honey... Remember that I told you that my mother wants to come to live with us? Is it okay if I invite her over for a month just to try it out and after a month we can talk about it again? Okay, fine. But don't ask me for anything else, okay? Yes, yes, I love you much, baby. Love you too, bye. He turned around to the guy and said, does anybody know whose cell phone this is? Somebody is going to be in big trouble. They got approval to spend a lot of money. <laughs> That's going to be some mad situation. We're talking about generosity. We've been on that series. 
and we're going to be on it for a little while because also coming soon to you is going to be those generosity, 40 days of generosity devotionals that we want to use because we recognize the importance of this. And one of the best ways to increase your own happiness, I don't know if you realize that, is to do things that make other people happy. In countless studies, kindness and generosity have been linked to greater life satisfaction, stronger relationships, better mental and physical health. In fact, we're told by studies that generous people live longer. You want to live longer? What's more, the happiness people derive from giving to others creates a positive feedback loop. The positive feelings that you get inspire further generosity, which in turn fuels greater happiness. And research shows that kindness is truly contagious. Those who witness and benefit from others' acts of kindness are more likely to be kind themselves. And there's this, this lady by the name of Eileen Taylor. She had some, as she drove into this heavenly donuts stand and she was going to the drive through she didn't have, she had more than donuts on her mind just the day before a stranger ahead of her in line had generously paid for her coffee and so she thought that since that happened to her it was a difficult time she was going to she had just lost her job and things were tight and she was really happy that somebody paid for her coffee so she decided to be generous and she decided to pay $12 tab for the family in the cars behind her. Well, before you know it, the whole thing went viral. And, and, and right in that store, the, 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 the cashiers noticed that every car coming up after that was paying for the person behind them. And this continued until 55 cars passed through. And all 55 paid for the person behind them. Can you imagine that? That's an amazing thing. Now, she didn't realize that it happened. She came back in the afternoon to pick up another cup of coffee, and they told her all that was happening. It was, of course, she had never stopped going to the donut store without paying for the person behind her. And so kindness is contagious. And so she started something that is a wonderful thing, and many people were blessed because of that. It was her generosity. Now, the Bible tells us that it is more blessed to give than to what? than to receive. So Jesus told us that. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And then the Bible tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. And the Bible also reminds us that though Jesus was rich, for our sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you and I might be rich. I want to read a passage of scripture this morning as we look at this keys to generosity. As we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, reading from verse 1, through to verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, reading from verse 1 through verse 7. And the Bible says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we should receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. 
And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that your words are life unto those that find us and literal medicine unto our flesh. We pray, Father, that you would just minister to every individual today. Speak to each of us as only you can through your word. Your word truly is life. It brings changes to our lives. So we give you thanks for what you're doing and what you will do in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. Now this church, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he's talking about the churches in Macedonia. In the Bible, Paul was telling us about their generosity. And he says to us some very important things. Because when people are generous, sometimes we think only wealthy people are generous. But here we find, Paul says, they were going through great trial of affliction. They were going through some real hardship, persecuted by the state. Uh, and then the Bible says they were in deep poverty. Now, I want you to understand that the word that they use in the Greek for poverty here is a word that means, that describes a beggar who has absolutely nothing and has no hope of getting anything. That's how poor they were. You know, somebody said they're dirt poor. Their difficult situation may have caused by, you know, what, the, 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 what was going on at the time in the culture and the fact that they, the, the trap of trades that you had to be involved in was a lot had to do with making idols. And, of course, as believers, they were not going to get involved with that, and so so many of them probably lost their jobs. And, of course, taxation from the, from the Roman government. But despite their poverty, despite their hardship, the Bible says they gave joyfully and liberally. And so, you know, you get a sort of a formula here from this, and you see there, which is unbelievable, great affliction... And deep poverty plus grace equal abundant joy and abounding liberality. It reminds me of the paradox of Paul says in his ministry, as poor yet making many rich. Now when you have experienced the grace of God in your life, you will not use difficult circumstances to, as an excuse for not giving. Grace given means given in spite of our circumstances. It is possible to be generous, but at the same time, not give enthusiastically. You know that? You can become generous, but you're not giving enthusiastically. There was this miserly man who said, the preacher says I should give until it hurts. But for me, it hurts just to think about giving. Now, the Macedonian churches, they didn't need any prompting. Not like the church at Corinth. They really didn't need it. They were willing to share. The Bible says they begged to be a part of the giving. Now the saints in Jerusalem were the, were the very destitute saints as well. But even these people that were so poor, when was the last time somebody begged us to take an offering? You know what I mean? This is what they were saying. We're begging you to, we want to be a part of it. And uh, 
you know, it was the sign of, they, this giving was voluntary and spontaneous. It was not of, it was of grace. It, they weren't being pressured. They gave because they wanted to give. And because they had experienced the grace of God. Grace not only frees us from our sins, my friend, but it frees us from ourselves. The grace of God will not open your heart. It will also open your hand. Your giving is not the result of cold calculation, but of a warm-hearted generation. Warm-hearted jubilation they had. They gave generously. And they gave willingly out of their deep poverty. Now, we're going to learn three things from generosity this morning that generosity does as we look at this passage. Number one, I want to say that generosity starts in the heart. It doesn't start in your wallet or your pocketbook. It starts in the, say, heart. This really, this is the reality that we see from the scriptures this morning with the Macedonians who distributed to the Jerusalem saints out of their deep poverty. It had to be not because of their pocketbook, not because they had enough, but it had to be from their heart. And so generosity starts with the heart. It was the, the, it, it, because of their view of who God is. They saw him as a limitless God. They saw their capacity as limited. And when the Macedonians became aware of the need that Paul had for these saints, they were, you know, they were not, you didn't hear them saying, well, Paul, uh, you know, we, we would love to give, but we can't because we're, we're, we're really suffering. Paul says, we didn't hear what we expected. You know, Paul was really thrown off because he really didn't expect them to be part of the giving. But they begged to be part of it. Paul didn't even approach them to ask them to give because they were so dirt poor. But they said, no, no, no. Despite our situation, we want to be a part of it. We want to be a part of the giving. And so he says, how was that possible? Paul gave us the answer in the scripture. He says, here's what he said. And they did not do as we expected. They didn't do as we expected. They didn't say, we can't, we can't afford to. We'd love to, but you know our situation, Paul. What he says they did, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. That's the first step. When we give ourselves first to the Lord, then you realize that it's when you're going to understand again what we'll be talking about, that everything belongs to who? To God. And when, if, if you belong to the Lord, if you give yourself first to the Lord, and he owns you, just even without thinking about anything else, if he owns you, he also owns what? Everything you have. And so it is, that's why they gave themselves first to the Lord. And this is, one of the, this is one of the examples that we see in them. They first gave themselves to the, to the Lord and then to us in keeping the will of God, Paul says. Everyone can be generous if you would only pray a prayer like this. God, what do you want to do through me? What do you want to do through me? If you will let God work through you, if you ask him, that, if you pray that prayer, you'll be surprised to see what God tells you to do. Now, the thing about we have to walk in obedience. This prayer gives the limitless God permission to open your eyes to possibility. Now, you know, you and I can't do everything. But you know we can do something. In this prayer, if you ask God to, what can I do? What can you do through me? You'll find that your generosity 
is not based on your finite resources or ability, but you'll find that it is based on God's infinite ability. And these Macedonians, they recognized that. And they uh, understood that so well that they wanted to be a part of the giving that Paul was doing. And John calls us, the Apostle John calls us, and reminds us about the generosity that we should be involved in. He says in 1 John 3, 17, If anyone has material possession and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, here's what John says, How can the love of God be in this person? You don't have the love of God in you, Paul said, John says, if you see somebody in need and you can help them and you don't help them. The call to be generous is answered when we show compassion. When we feel for others, and when we feel with others, your generosity is felt. There's an ad on that. There is an ad going on on WRMB right now, and they, each time I hear it, I said, I need to call to find out where is this? Because they said, you know, we are raising 1,200 meals for the poor in, in South Florida. And then they play ads of people who are supposed to be the ones that they're going to give to. And there was this person that says, I've done some dumpster diving sometime. Dumpster diving. Then somebody says, you know, I feel like the hunger pain was so terrible. I, didn't, I was crying because of the pain of hunger. And it was a grown man. And then somebody says, you know, my girlfriend saw the bones sticking out of my back because I'd lost so much weight. Because, and I said to myself, I've got to find out where that is. Because if, if, if really there's desperate people like that there, wherever they're giving that money to, and wherever they're supplying those food to, we can be a part of something. Amen? And so it is that I want to find out from them. Because generosity must come from compassion. We need to feel with others. And when I hear those ads, I, 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 felt, I, I really feel it for the persons who were speaking, because I'm sure they were not making them up. The call to generosity is really come from compassion. You know, Mother Teresa, you know her. She's been, she was a lady who really had compassion for the very poor in India. And she said, a life not lived for others is not a life. A life not lived for others is not a life. She could have done a lot of other things Mother Teresa could have done, but she chose to work in the, in the area with the poorest of the poor, to be there with them to try to help them, to try to get, draw attention, to get, meet their needs, and to work with them right there. She didn't die with riches. She didn't die with a, with a lot of funds. She didn't have a 401k. She didn't have any retirement funds. She died with very little things in this life because she gave it all to those that were in need. Generosity starts in the heart. And then secondly, generosity sees God as the perfect example. Generosity sees God as the perfect example. You know, John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Now that's generosity. That's God being generous. He gave his only begotten Son. You know, his only son. He gave him. And then the thing about this is that God gave his only son not to people that were kind to God, but the Bible tells us that we were enemies of God. For while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
while we were still sinners. And so he gave, he was generous. God is a generous God. His selfless act of generosity leaves us nothing but to say that Calvary is the birthplace of generosity. Now God was so generous to his people. Do you remember in, uh, in, in, uh, in Numbers and, and what the promise he made to the people? Here's what he said. He provided them a land flowing with what? Milk and honey. That's the description. God says, I'm going to take you to a land flowing with milk and honey. And Joshua and Caleb were sent out by Moses to explore the land. And when they passed through the land and they came back, they said, the, if, he said, indeed, the land is as exactly as God said. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. And if God has given it to us, let's go up and possess it. Think of God's generosity in this verse. In Ephesians 3.20, I wanted to put it up on the overhead for you. It says, now to him who is able to do, you know, it could have just said all, but it says to do what? Exceedingly, that's not enough. Abundantly, that's not enough. Above, that's not enough. All, can you imagine? That's a generous God, don't you think? That is generosity. God is the greatest example of generosity for us. He is a generous God. He is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think, according to the power that works in us. And then I want Ephesians chapter 1, 6 to 8. I have that as well. It says, Now all praise to God for his wonderful kindness to us and his favor that he has what? Poured out upon us. He has poured out upon us because we belong to his dearly beloved son. Listen to the words that Paul used. So overflowing is his kindness. God's kindness to us is what? Overflowing. That's generosity. So overflowing is his kindness towards us that he took away all our sins through the blood of his son by whom we are saved. And listen, and he has what? Showered down upon us the riches of his grace. You see, there is the pouring. There is the overflowing, and then there is the showering down upon us. That is a God of generosity. You know, recently, some of you may know who Mark Zuckerberg is. He is the creator of Facebook. Um, you know, he recently, he's a billionaire, and Mark Zuckerberg recently announced his decision to give away 99% of his Facebook shares to charity. Can you imagine that? And his decision aligned with several other significant wealthy individuals who decided to do the same. In 2006, Warren Buffett, one of the world's wealthiest men, committed much of his wealth to Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. That's Microsoft man. Shortly thereafter, Gates and Buffett organized a number of dinners where the world's wealthiest individuals and families were invited to talk about philanthropy and charitable giving. The hope was to get them to sign what is called the Giving Pledge, a public commitment by billionaires to sit down, decide how much money they and their families would need, and figure out how the rest could be invested in charitable causes aimed at changing lives. As of January, uh, two years ago, the report tells us 128 billionaires 
or former billionaires signed the pledge. Now, I want to tell you how wealthy Bill Gates is. If Bill Gates gave, listen to this, every individual on earth $10, he still has $2.26 billion left. Can you imagine that? If every single person on earth gets $10 from him, he still has $2.26 billion left. For him, he could never, to spend his money, he will never live long enough, even if he spent his money at the rate of $16 million a day. He'll never live long enough to spend it off. Just think about that. That's how much money he has. Now, you know, not only is he the wealthiest man, one of the wealthiest men on earth, but you realize that he's also one of the more generous men on earth. He's one of the most generous. In fact, Bill Gates has given away between 26 billion and 28 billion of his income to various charities. Primarily, that he founded, he and his wife, and the purpose is to seek to eradicate certain diseases on earth by vaccinations. That's what they're, they're really focusing on. Now, despite Bill Gates' generosity, can I tell you, compared to God, he looks like a hoarder. <laughs> Why? Because of what Colossians 1, 6 says. For by him all things were created in heaven and in earth. And it says that visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. In other words, all that we have and all that Bill Gates have, have been given to him by God. You see that? All of life, regardless of whether you are a believer in Christ, it doesn't matter whether you're here this morning as a lover of Christ, or you're here as a seeker, or you're here just because you can't believe you're here, but you get forced to be here by a friend or by a loved one. All you enjoy about life has been given to you by God. doesn't matter who you are. Everything you have has been given to you by God. And all that Bill Gates has, has been given to him by God. Everything we have in life is because of God's generosity. So that God's a generous God. We wouldn't have anything. We wouldn't be even be alive if it weren't for God's generosity. And God wants us to be generous like he is. He's a perfect example of generosity. Don't you love a generous God? Isn't God being generous to you? He's been generous to me in mercy. Hello, anybody? In his mercies, in his forgiveness, in his loving kindness. Hasn't he been generous? God has been generous. God is a generous God. And generosity, we seize God as the perfect example. So generosity starts in the heart. It sees God as a perfect example. And the final thing I want to talk about generosity is that generosity secures your successful future. It secures your successful future. It does. Now, why is that so? Because, my friend, our future is determined by what we sow today. The farmer cannot harvest anything if he doesn't plant a crop at some point. The Bible says, do not be deceived. God cannot mock, be mocked. A man reaps what he what? Sows. But also, a man reaps according to how much he sows. 
You remember that scripture in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6? It says, remember this, whoever sows what? Sparingly will what? Reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap. Now some people don't really, they, they read it, but you know, they don't really, really, really truly believe it. But if you learn to practice this scripture in terms of any way you practice it, that's the result you're going to get. If you practice sowing sparingly, can I tell you, you're going to reap sparingly. If you practice sowing generously, you're going to reap generously. God's word cannot be broken. Now, you know, we can't, sometimes we like to accept one part of God's word and another part of God's word we're not so anxious about. You know, we like Philippians 4 and verse 19. But my God shall supply what? Oh, yeah. And we believe that verse, right? We love that verse and we believe that verse. Well, can I tell you this verse is just the same as good as that verse? It's the same God who said it. If you sow sparingly, you are going to what? And if you sow generously, you're going to reap what? Now, how many people want to reap sparingly? How many people really want to reap generously? Say amen. Then you've got to sow generously. That's just God's way of doing it. And even a regular farmer could tell you that. Just, just go and try it yourself. And you'll see that if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. Now, another translation said, but remember this. If you give little, you get little. A farmer who plants just a few seeds will only get a small crop. But if he plants much, he will reap much. In blessing others, I am blessed. Generosity is not only an investment towards a solution for someone, but it is also an investment in your own future. You are investing in your future when you are generous. Because God has said, whatever you give and how you give with the same measure, it will be given back to you. Now think about that. Now if we really believe that this morning, come on, think about it. If you really believe that this morning, you know the Bible says, give and it shall be given to you. What does the it mean? Whatever you give. Whatever you give is the it. Whatever I give becomes the it, and it will come back to me. So I have to look at what I need. If I need certain things, here's what we're finding in life, is that whatever you need, you have to sow the seed first. Whatever you need, you've got to sow that seed. And then it will be given back to you. God is the one that will give it back to you. Does God keep his word? Is God truthful? Is God a liar? No. Was God, is God genuine in what he says? He says, give and it will be given back to you. Not just regular giving back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. And he says, with the same measure that you use, it will be given back to you. So, my friends, a lot of us are holding back our harvest. We are the ones that determine our harvest. Because God has given us the laws of the harvest to use. He's given us the law of the harvest. You reap what you sow. You reap more than you sow. And so it is that if I reap more than I sow, the more I sow, he says, the more I'm going to reap. So if I want to reap more, I'm going to have to sow more. It's just the way it is. And there are some people who have picked up on the thought, they've discovered that, and they are enjoying the fruits of it. There's another verse of scripture that I love. It says, it's Proverbs 11, 24, 25. Look what it says. Some, read it with me. Some people give much, but get back even more. 
Others don't give what they should and end up. That's not all rhyming. And I didn't realize the rhyme at first. Some people give much and get back even more. Others don't give what they should and end up. That's a great verse to memorize. Isn't that true? Now look at this other verse that continues. 25. Whoever gives to others will what? No, I didn't say that. That's the Bible. I'm just giving you the scripture. It's the new century version. I'm just giving you what the scripture says. It says, whoever. Does it mean that it's only for some people? Whoever means what? Anybody, right? Does that mean you? Put your hand and say, that means me. If you give to others what you will, what will happen to you? You're not sure. If you give to others, what's going to happen to you? Now, now, be honest now. Do you want to get richer? (laughs) Of course you do. (laughs) But the Bible gives you the solution. It just gives you the answer right there. And those who help others will themselves be helped. Who's going to help them? God is. When you help others, God says, I'll take care of you. You do what I say, and I will do the rest for you. Now, here's some things now. So that's the Bible. Can I tell you what social scientists are saying? Listen to what now the secular world is discovering. The secular world. I'm going to read what the secular world is saying now. You see what the Bible says. The secular people, the unsaved people, scientists are saying what the Bible is saying. Listen to this. Social scientists are uncovering the benefits of generous living. Christian Smith and Hillary Davidson, authors of the paradox of generosity. They call it the paradox of generosity because it doesn't make sense to them. You know, how are you going to get more by giving more? Note, by giving ourselves away, we ourselves move toward flourishing. That's what they said. This is not only a philosophical or religious teaching, they say. It is a sociological fact. Did you hear that? Those who give 10% or more of their income and those who volunteer their time are more likely than others to report being very happy. Are you miserable? Now we got to check if you're tithing. This, this is the social scientists that are saying that. They say that those who give less than 10% of their income are miserable. Look beside you if somebody's miserable. <laughs> if somebody's happy, they're probably giving more than 10, they're probably giving them more than 10% of income. Listen to this. I'm continuing to read from them. Similarly, those who are generous in their relationships, offering their attention and emotion to others, tend to be happier than those who are less generous relationally. Generosity also has health benefits. Oh my goodness. Wait a minute. Now some of you are going to get on board. Some of you start listening right now. Those who give more money, volunteer their time. Hey, Sister Valerie, there's a lot of people signing up now. And are relationally generous, are more likely to be in excellent or very good health than others. Now that's not the Bible this time. This is social scientists who have studied thousands of people who have no axe to grind in terms of what they're deciding. Nothing to talk about the Bible. They just really want to see the research. Okay? So listen. So, 
And those who are more generous in their ways also report a clearer sense of their purpose in life. In other words, those people are not going to be in depression. They're not going to end up in depression and depressed. They're going to find themselves feeling that life has meaning and purpose. Why? Because they're helping other people. They're being generous. They're touching lives. They're seeing the impact of touching somebody's life. It does something to you when Jesus says, it is more blessed to give than to receive. He knows what he's talking about. It didn't seem to make sense to us at first. But when Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive, you're seeing that it's more blessed in many ways. Not just because you're receiving more back from God, but your health, your peace of mind, your sense of purpose. Everything changes when you begin to not be selfish. Do you remember Scrooge? You remember the Christmas carol at Christmas time when you watch everybody saw the movie? You remember the change in Scrooge when he finally discovered that he could give and giving made a big difference? You saw the change over him, the laughter, the happiness. He became generous. He started giving away. And the poor worker man that was working with him all this time. I don't remember his name. Some of you may remember his name. This guy that used to work with him. Um, I don't remember. He gave him this chicken and he sent the big turkey and he sent him a lot of stuff and he really changed his heart. Generosity changes you. Now, okay. Okay, so you may not want to believe him. Here's another person. Wharton Professor. This guy goes... He's a professor at Wharton, a brilliant young man. Uh, if you go to his office, there are always students hanging outside his office, always students. Uh, wherever he goes, they try to talk to him, find out from him, get counseling by him. He's 31 years old, brilliant young man. His name is Adam Grant. He released a book recently that changed the way people think about success. In his bestseller, Give and Take, a revolutionary approach, a revolutionary approach to success. That's what he calls it. Revolutionary approach to success. What does Adam Grant say? He says, which is now in a paper, he says, Warden Professor uses decades of psychological studies to make a provocative yet promising argument that givers are the most likely to succeed. I rest my case. The Bible says so. Secular scientist says the same thing the Bible says. What more do you need? Givers are more likely to succeed. Adam, he finds that in an organization, the people at the top of their organization, he finds that they're givers. So he said, why, why is it that they are at the top of the organization? He says, their selfish, their reputation for unselfishness win them admiration and loyalty, creating the long-term relationships that enable them to reap tremendous rewards. Even in an organization, if you are a generous person in an organization where you share ideas with your friends, where you don't hold back information just by yourself, but you share with ideas and you share with others and you want to see other people and you want to share the, the, the creativity and the success with others. And you become generous with your thoughts and generous with your ways and generous with your approach and generous with your attitude and generous with all the things around the people around you. It says you win admiration from those people 
And by winning their admiration, it propels you upward in the corporate ladder. You end up on top because you're a giver, not a hoarder, not keeping things selfishly for yourself. Now let me read you a couple of stories as we close. The stories of Ray Berryman. Ray Berryman is a Wall Street person. He's a CEO of a national municipal bond company on Wall Street. And he and his wife give away at least half their income to God's work each year. Here's what he says. My joy in giving comes from serving God in a way that I know he's called me to and, I am, and in realizing that what I give is impacting people for Christ, Ray says. It's so exciting to know we're part of evangelizing, discipling, helping, and feeding the needy. It just feels wonderful and fulfilling. The more we give, the more we delight in our giving. Hello. And the more God delights in us, our pleasure pleases us, or no, giving pleases us, but more importantly, it pleases God. He says, I, real, I get real excited when it comes to this subject. My giving has been one of the central ministry activities of my life. Just after I received Christ as my Savior, I heard about tithing. I felt compelled to tithe and soon realized that God had given me the gift of giving. I learned that no matter how much I gave, I, listen to this, I, I learned that no matter how much I gave, God will always provide more to give. Hey, this is a guy in Wall Street, okay? CEO of a bond company in Wall Street. He's saying he's coming to realize he come to Christ. He learned about tithing. He started practicing it. And he's realizing the more he gives, the more God gives him to give. So these people don't give 10% anymore. He's at the 50% level. That's what he says. Listen what he's saying. And then he goes on to say, the more I gave, the more my heart would rejoice in serving him this way. The more I give, the more my heart would rejoice in serving He says, I soon realized that God was compelling me to give much more than 10% of my gross income. Not what he takes home. But he says he gave, God was compelled to give more than 10% of his gross income. Even he realized that you should tithe on your gross. And so he says, he felt that God was saying to you, you got to give more. While we were, he said, while we are still working, we want to give 50% or more of our income. That's him and his wife. And before we die, with the exception of the personal items going to our children, we want to give away all that we have to the work of God. Some people have caught on. You know, what they, you know what he's doing? Lay not up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, but lay up for yourself treasures in. You see, he's paying it forward. He's smart. He's come to realize, hey, it's not about what that, what's, what's happening down here. It's not about me getting a bigger house and driving a fancier car and going on a better vacation and running and doing this. So I'm going to hold on to it so that I can keep it for myself, so that I can spend it on myself and enjoy myself. No, no. He's realizing, hey, this is not going to last too long. But when I get there, it's going to last forever. So I'm sending my treasures up into heaven and laying my treasures above rather than laying my treasures down here on earth. 
He's doing that. And we need to catch that vision and begin to recognize that's what God is saying. Let me do one more for you. Hugh Macellan. Hugh Macellan is a director of a large Christian foundation that supports missions around the globe. He also launched the generous giving ministry that puts on conferences and equips people to deepen and broaden their perspective on giving. So he has a conference teaching people about what I'm telling you about this morning. He goes around having a conference to say, let me teach you about the importance of giving and how giving enhances your life. Here's what Hugh says. God used five events in my life to change my priorities. You know, sometimes God will do that, you know. You use some things in your life to try to change your priorities. One of these, one of these events, he says, was learning that God owns it all. And another was taking a vision trip. He went overseas on a mission trip. He called it a vision trip. When he saw firsthand what God was really doing through missions work, he was hooked. That's where he wanted to put his money, where it would last and make a difference for eternity. My friend, when you begin to see the needs around the world, when you get a grasp of what situation, we were just at a conference last week and hearing about this human trafficking and these uh, going into this place where they found 100,000 little girls. 100,000 trapped in sexual trafficking. Little girls. Many of them from age five. The scourge that is happening around the world. And we just can't just sit down and just ignore what is going on outside these walls and just take care of ourselves only. Which is why we're talking about, that's, that's one of the agencies we're going to give money to in terms of when we are talking about these when we're talking about the 125,000 that we're raising for our 25th anniversary, we, we, we've been identifying the agencies. And one of those agencies is that one. That's helping to rescue little girls. And they're doing as much as they can to try to rescue. They're gonna, they can't rescue all of them, but they can rescue some. You know, you, you know what is happening right now? They're... There are situations you got to be careful of. Young people that travel, you know, some young people like to, to go on a summer vacation and they go in Europe and they take their backpack and they take the train and they go around. Well, when they arrive in a, in a foreign country, a lot of times there are people that are set up to meet them and says, oh, you're here. You look like you're, you're on vacation here. They say, yeah. And then they said, you know, you, you got to be careful where you go. And then they... They say, you know, maybe you want to, it's very expensive for a cab ride. I mean, maybe you want to share a cab ride with me. And then they, they make sure they drop you off first so they can figure your location. And then, then they have these people from other countries, like from Romania and other countries that come into these other foreign countries. They're never from the same country. Because when they do it in one country, they take you from that country to another country. That's how they do it. They export you immediately. And in 36 hours, they export you. And you're gone to another country. And that's why it's so difficult to find them. Because where they start in one country, they don't stay there. 
they transport them to another country and you just don't know where they're gone. And so you have to be careful when you're traveling. Especially if, you're, if you send your children, your young people overseas by themselves, you've got to be very careful if you do that. And these exchange things with the schools. You've got to be careful. People approach them with all sorts of thoughts and ideas and they think they, 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 they think it, it's unlikely they're going to try to help you. And then the next thing you know, you're in big trouble. So he says, he says, my top priorities are to pursue personal holiness, including my daily quiet time, and then to be spiritual leader to my wife, children, and grandchildren. Hugh seeks to give away a yearly minimum of 70% of his income. His minimum for each year to give away is 70% of his income. Now you may say, how in the world can he give away 70% of his income? Let me tell you. Because he never started out giving 70%. He started out giving 10. What did he find? God blessing him. So he decided to up it to 15. What did he find? God blessed him more. So he decided to up it to 20. What did he find? God blesses him even more. So he up it to 25. What did he find? God blesses him even more. So he ups it to 30. Because he can up it to 30 because of the blessing that God has given him, the multiplied blessing, and he still hasn't lowered his standard of living. Because, remember we, the law we said, if you're so bountifully, you shall what? It's kicked in. The law kicks in. And so he goes on giving, increasing. You don't start out day one to give 70%. That's not how it works. You start out day one giving the 10. Then you gradually increase it because you want to see it for yourself. You want to see that, that it works. You want to see that God truly blessed. And God says, prove me. He's not afraid of you proving him. He said, you can prove it. He said, you can test me. So you're not, you're not doing something unspiritual by saying, okay, I'm going to increase to 15 and see what God does. And then because you're going to see the increase. And so all those people that today are giving away 90% of their income and 100% of their income, as some people are giving, by the way. Some people are now at the level where they're giving away 100% of their income. They don't need any more. You know, after a certain amount of money, you don't need any more to live on. Because God has blessed them. But they never started out giving that money. They started out just like all of us. And guess what? God doesn't love them any more than he loves. He doesn't love them more than he loves you. He doesn't love them any more than he loves any one of us. And all of us can experience the same thing. But what's the difference? They're willing to prove God. It's all up to you this morning. It's all up to you whether you want to say, you know, uh, and those of you that were in the, uh, that were in the, uh, the, the Bible study when we did a Rick Warren series, you heard what he said. He, you know, he and his wife made a decision to give more than 10. They went to, they went to, they decided every year they were going to increase it. They went to 12, then the next year they went to 14, then the next year they go, just keep going it year by year going up. And he says he believes that it's because of that that God gave him the idea to write the purpose-driven book. The only book that has sold more than a purpose-driven book is the Bible. No other book in history has sold more than a purpose-driven book. 
So he's, so he's made millions from it. And he hasn't really changed his lifestyle significantly because he's spending the money to give it away towards charity as well. To do good. Because God blesses us to be a what? To be a blessing. God doesn't bless us so we can hoard it. That's why God won't bless some people. Because if he blesses some people, all they're going to do is spend it on themselves. God's looking for some channels. Because here's what God wants to do. He wants to help everyone. Not just you, but everyone. Not just me, but everyone. And he wants to use us to help others. And how does he do that? When he speaks to us like today. And says, if you start, if you will open your hand, if you will become free, if you will become a channel and not hoard it for yourself, I will put more into your hand because I can trust you to help those around you. God's looking for some people that will be willing to do that. Now you may say, I would love to be one of those. You can be. But here's how it goes. It starts by finding somebody. I, sent, I told you last time, I said, find somebody in the week that you need to bless. You remember that? To start becoming generous to. Just become, start becoming generous to somebody. Find somebody that you know you need and start becoming generous to them. Your generosity level may be low now, but as you become more generous, do what... Remember we described generosity the last time? We said generosity is doing more than necessary and more than is expected. More than is expected and more than is necessary. Find somebody. So we said the last time, if somebody needs lunch money and you see them, you, instead of giving them five, give them a ten or twenty. That's more than is necessary and more than is expected. That is generosity. But can I tell you, you will not experience it unless you start. Am I, <laughs> I'm not sure if you're, <laughs> am I in deaf ears this morning or you're hearing me? Are you hearing me? What if all of us start practicing generosity? We're saying start small. We're not saying start big. Start small somewhere. And then as you, as you uh, and then gradually increase it. And I want you to write the date when you start. And I want you to gradually increase it. And God doesn't mind you writing down the signs and look to see what, what's different is happening in your life. What is different? Are you getting more favor? Is God giving you favor? Is God opening doors? Is God, because generosity from God can come in many ways. Because some people really don't need money. They need some favor about something else. God knows what you need. And then he will start doing it. And you, you can mark, you can write it down and say, well, look at it. This, this, I've been praying about this a long time and finally this happened. This start happening now. This, thing, this, is what, this door opened finally. This thing that I've been longing for so long, all of a sudden it happens because God is, will keep his word. He's looking for us to become generous. And I want to tell you, it may not be easy at first. So you just start. Train yourself. Intentionally start somewhere. And watch the change in your attitude over time. And watch the change in your joy over time. 
It's still, you know, it, it, it's always we got to make that first step. You got to make that first step. Find somebody even today. Maybe before you leave this place today, somebody may, God may leave somebody in your heart. Walk over to them and say, <laughs> not you begging them now. They're walking over to you as they're led by the Spirit of God. Don't walk up to someone and say, God said you need to be generous. <laughs> Pastor said you need to be generous. So start being generous. No, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Spirit of God putting in your heart somebody. Let the Holy Spirit do the work. Amen? Let the Holy Spirit do the work. He will show you. If you pray that prayer, he will show you somebody. In fact, I'll tell you, if you pray that prayer, he'll put somebody in your heart before you leave here today. That's true. So we're going to pray. So bow your heads with me this morning. Father, your word teaches us that generosity leads to success. It's in your word. We've read it. It says it. Social scientists have come and even confirmed what is in your word. How much more can you tell us, God? So today, I pray that you lay on each of our hearts someone or some situation in which we can practice generosity. Lord, we may be starting small, and it may look small to us, but it is important to the person in need. So I pray that you will speak today. May we hear from you, and may we do what you are saying, and may we experience the joy of giving and be able to testify to others that generosity actually works. In Jesus' name, amen. When you stand together with me and we're going to sing this hymn, there shall be showers of blessing. And I tell you, there's going to be showers of blessing. For those who will practice it, it says, there shall be showers of blessing this is the promise of love. There shall be seasons refreshing sent from the Savior above. Showers of blessing. Showers of blessing we need. You need that this morning. For some people, mercy drops round us are falling. But oh, for the showers, we plead. But we can initiate those showers too as well because we're realizing as we walk in obedience to God's word, he will send the showers. Are you ready to sing this morning? Are you ready? There shall be showers of blessing. This is the promise of love. There shall be seasons refreshing. Sent from the Savior above. Showers of blessing. Showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. There shall be showers of blessing, precious reviving again. Over the hills and the valleys, sound of abundance.
showers of blessing, send them upon us, O Lord. Grant to us now a refreshing, come and now honor thy word. Showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we Shall be showers of blessing, oh that today they might fall. Tell us to God we're confessing, now as on Jesus we call. Showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need. Mercy of round us are calling, but for the showers we third, we're going to sing that third stand again. It says, There shall be showers of blessings. Send them upon us, O Lord. Grant to us now a refreshing. Come. And now honor what? Thy word. Thy word. What we just talked about. God has promised in His word. He's promised that if we scatter, it will increase. He's promised that if we give, it will be given back to us. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. He's promised that those who give will get richer. You see that? You read it this morning. It is the promise of God. It is His Word. But i got to tell you, it works even better when you have a relationship with Him. And I know this morning there is somebody, you may not have a relationship with God. You don't have the relationship you should have. God has spoken to your heart in some way. As you realize that He was generous to give His Son to die on the cross for your sins. He paid the price for your sins that you could be go free. If you've never made a decision for him, and you want to establish that relationship because that relationship makes a big difference. God takes care of his children. Can I tell you that? Amen. Just like you take care of yours. And to be one of his children, the Bible says, but as many as receive him, them gave you the right to become children of God. So there's somebody here this morning who said, Pastor, I really want to be, I want to establish that relation. Just raise your hand right where you are. There's somebody like that. You've never done so, but you want to do so this morning before we close. I want to tell you, it will, it will send that showers of blessing like never before for you because you're coming in as a child of God out from under the powers of darkness coming into the kingdom of light. There shall be showers of blessing. He's going to honor his word to you. Is there somebody before we, before we sing this again and then we're going to close. Alright. Last, that third stanza again. There shall be showers of blessing Send them upon us, O Lord Grant to us now a refreshing Come and now honor thy word Towers of blessing Towers of blessing we need Mercy shall round us our fallen But for the showers we need Raise your hand if you need that this morning Towers of blessing Towers of 
person that owns your own business or runs your own business or you need a job or you are a person that you have to be in charge of your own finances in terms of business wise I want to pray for you this morning the spirit just asked me to pray so I want you to believe God and I want you to be begin to practice generosity Practice generosity. And as you practice generosity, God will do for you what you've never seen done before. Father, we thank you for these that are at the altar today who recognize, Lord God, that you're a generous God and that your principles work. You honor your word. And Father, they have learned today, even reminded today, that generosity works. Because you taught it to us by your example. You generously gave your only son. The only son you had, the only begotten son, and you gave him for our sake. You gave him for us in our place. He became poor. He who was rich became poor so that we can become rich. Lord, you love them and you care about them this morning. There are those that need a job. There are those that are looking to you to stay where the income will come from. They need a door to be open. God, we believe in you. We know that you are who you are and there is no limit to your power. There is no lack in your ability. So today, we're praying for these especially. Somebody needs a job. Those who have businesses need business to come in. They need a business to grow income. Jobs need to come in. Contracts need to come in. And Father, you are God Almighty. And nothing is impossible with you. That's why we're coming to you, God. That's why we're calling on you this morning. Because we believe in you. We believe in your power. We believe in your authority. We believe that you are able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we're asking right now. Or we even think, we believe. 
And by faith, we declare over them, God, that you would, you would speak blessing upon each one right now. Lord, I pray that testimonies upon testimonies will come back of what God has done, that the doors that were closed for so long, the opening that they've been longing for has suddenly been made. The way that they've been praying for has been made. We thank you, God, for what you're doing. And all the glory is yours. All the praise will be yours. All the honor will be yours. To you and you alone, we give the honor, the praise, and the glory. Thank you for hearing and answering. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace as together we say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. And I want you guys to get ready to come back with a testimony so that others can know that God does work. Because I'm believing it's going to be done. Amen. Give the Lord a big hand. Praise God. Hallelujah. God bless you. We don't have any evening service tonight.